What I want to talk about this morning is the basis of love. The basis of love. This week, Annette and I will celebrate 33 years of marriage. Amen. And um, we look forward to it. And, and, you know, I remember hearing uh, just even 15 years ago, people would say, Wow, that's great. Y'all have been married 15 years because most people, if they can get past one year or five, they've passed a milestone because many people just decide to call it quits. And it's not for quits. It is a commitment. But what I want to talk about is you know, the love that a husband has for his wife and a wife for her husband is foundational. The love that we have for our children and children for their parents and grandparents and friends, those different types of love, all of those have a basis that is outside of the natural realm that we think about. Love by definition means the object of attachment, devotion or admiration, strong affection for another rising out of arising out of kinship or personal ties. And I would submit to you this morning that no one has a greater interest or personal tie to us than God, our heavenly Father. He created us and he gave us life. The basis for love is our Heavenly Father. David, of whom God said was a man after his own heart, said this in Psalm 139 and verse 13. He said this, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I want to read that again. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. If you're looking up electronically, it's the NIV. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That is so incredible and amazing. How that we saw this little baby, our granddaughter, who's, what, 12 weeks old tomorrow. And how that a year ago, we didn't even think about her. But then 
she began to grow. And did you know that God knows exactly how many breaths she will take in her lifetime? She knows how many heartbeats she will have in her lifetime. She knows He knows everything about her from the time she was born all the way to her time on earth and knows what she's supposed to do. He's got that all planned out. The basis of love. Basis, by definition, means the bottom of something. Considered as, it, as its foundation. Something on which something else is established. It means the base, the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone. Our Heavenly Father is the foundation He is the bedrock. He is the basis of love. He always has and He always shall be. How much does God love? Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 15 and verse 13. Exodus 15 and 13. This is a song that Moses sang after the Lord led them across the Red Sea on dry ground. He said, in your, unfailing love, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. You see, he loved them so much that when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord during their continued suffering, he heard them and he redeemed them. How much does God love us? John 3.16 for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. The word so, third word in this verse, means it, it, it is an indication of the extent or the degree. In other words, God's love for us was so great that He gave His only Son to everyone who believes. He loved us so much that He provided a way for us to have eternal life forever. <laughs> so means extremely, most certainly, indeed. So God indeed loved the world. God most certainly loved the world. God extremely loved the world. That he gave his only son, his one and only son. In John 14, and I didn't tell you if you're taking notes, I've got a ton of scriptures if you want to jot them down. John 14, 8, 8 through 10 says this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. In the next chapter, John 15, verse 9, he said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
How many know that remaining in God's love is a choice? Remaining in the love of Jesus is a choice. The word as, again, means to the degree or to the amount. Just like the Father loved Jesus, Jesus passed that same love onto us. So the basis of love, our Heavenly Father, as I mentioned, is the foundation, the bedrock, and the basis of love He always has, and He always shall be. And He shows that through His Son, Jesus. That's a great place to say amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4, says this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. I want to stop right there. God, who is rich in mercy. If you don't know what mercy is, let me tell you just a moment. Mercy many times is interchanged with love. But mercy is deeper than love. Mercy is you deserve something much worse. You deserve something much worse. But you will not get what you deserve. You will receive mercy. You will receive love in spite of what you deserve. None of us deserved eternal life. But God, because of His great love, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. The grace which is unmerited favor from the Lord. He shined down upon us through His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have eternal life. I know I said I was going to try to hold back a little bit, but I just, it's it's really hard. Because when I think about the Lord and all of His goodness and all of His love, it just does something inside of my soul. We had a lot of people who were watching the game last Sunday night. And I think it was Brother Bill that came in and said, Now Sunday morning, you all need to be this excited in church. And that's okay. It won't bother me a bit. Heaven is not a quiet place. (laughs) Well, I just don't get very loud. You will when you get to heaven. You might as well practice here. Because heaven is not a quiet place except for 30 minutes. It's not a quiet place. You read in your Bible where... That the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy to the Lord continually. Heaven is not a quiet place. Ephesians 3.17 through 19 says this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. There's an interesting word, grasp. Now when you grasp something, you, you 
have to make movement. I babysat Journey when she was just, how old was she, just a month old maybe? When, when I had her at the house that one Tuesday? A couple weeks old. And she's changed a lot from then to now. And one of the things that we've worked, we've worked on is, is, now sometimes she might reach out and grab your finger and she'll hold on to it. But it's not because of an effort on her own. It's just because it just happened to be there. And I've noticed that now she's trying to actually cognitively reach out and take hold of things. We were in Walmart with her yesterday, and uh, she was reaching out. There's a little thing that goes across her, um, a little mobile kind of thing with hanging down little animals uh, across the front of her little car seat. And she was reaching out to grab those. So before she would just look at them and she might happen to touch them, but now she's reaching out to actually get a hold of it. And so what this verse is really saying is that, that we need to grasp, we need to take hold of the fact of how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ because it is so huge that we just really almost can't fathom it. But we need to try to do our best to make an effort to just reach out and to realize, stop for a moment and think, His love is so awesome. His love is so amazing. Let's just stop and think about that. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Stop for a moment and think about His love. Think about His goodness. Think about how much He loved you. My grandpa made a statement one time and I never even knew that, that uh, pigs ate acorns. But I guess they do because he said it. He said pigs will eat the acorns out from underneath the tree without ever thinking about where they came from. Many times, if we're not careful, even as Christians, we go through our lives and we have daily things that we do. We go about our business and our affairs that we have to do. And we... We go here and we go there. We have routines that we go into. But do we really stop and think that when I got up this morning, there was a breath of air that I was able to draw in? Think about the Lord. His love surpasses knowledge. To know that this love that we're supposed to grasp surpasses really our understanding and the knowledge that we have. Human reasoning and understanding. We can't really comprehend it. But when we make an attempt to grasp His love, then it says that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Now how would it be for you to be filled with the measure of the fullness of God? What does that mean? Well, Let's just put it this way. Whenever you go to a restaurant, I always get around to food analogies. I don't know why. Whenever you go to a restaurant and you order the meal that you want, 
And it's brought to you. And it is perfect. It's cooked just right. It looks great. The portion is just right. Everything is just right. And you see that and you think, man, that is just something. And you experience it. And to your senses, you're thinking, man, this is just great. And in a similar way, in a spiritual sense, what the Lord says is, I want to fill you not with natural things, but I want to fill you with spiritual things. And I want you to be full of not natural food, but spiritual food. And, and that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. When you get done with that natural meal, you think, oh man, that was just great. I just, and you're like, man, I'm content. But when you are filled with the fullness of God, you walk away spiritually and you say, wow, I just, there is, I am just so full. I am just so bubbling over. I am just so content. There's nothing that can add to what I feel inside my heart and inside my life. And how do we do that? By grasping his love, by grasping the fullness of the measure because it surpasses the knowledge and he wants to fill us up. That is just so powerful. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. I got to move on because I only have about 17 more verses. Well, it's probably not that many, but it's close. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement. Eternal encouragement when you get discouraged now I know there's some of you here that never get discouraged if you're here I want to shake your hand you never get discouraged but right here what this verse says is that God our Father who loved us by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and what good hope. We have eternal encouragement. Lord, Your Word says that You're going to encourage me. So when I'm down, You can lift me up because He loved us. Verse 17 says, Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. He wants to encourage you. David said it this way. I don't have this scripture up there, but David said it this way. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in the Lord. Put your trust in the He was talking to himself. And he says, you know, self, why are you feeling this way? Don't you know that your hope is in the Lord? And we have to do the same thing many times. It's okay to talk to yourself. Say, self, stop it. You could do better than that. And we can. Because he's here to provide us eternal encouragement. 1 John 3 and 1. See what great love. It doesn't say what small love, what little love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We are children of God. When we have made a commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ and have accepted Him as Lord and Savior to forgive us of our sins, 
We are children of God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is really how we really understand and know what love is. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. I don't think this verse is suggesting that we are supposed to go out and, and, and necessarily die for someone else as Jesus did. But what, it's, what I believe it's suggesting is that we should sacrifice our own desires and our own wants and our own wishes so that we can really lay our life down spiritually for the cause of Christ so that other people can receive what we have received, the love of Christ. 1 John 4 and 9 says, We love because he first loved us. Psalm 32 and 10 says, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. The, the word unfailing means that a love that does not fall, fall short or loses strength. A love that does not fall short or loses strength. A love really that's unconditional. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to get a little vocal here. Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Now I'm going to ask you, this is going to be like a responsive reading. How do you know what a responsive reading is? It means I say something and then you say something. And I think you can do this, even without looking probably. In your Bible, in Psalm 136, every verse in this book ends with His love endures forever. And this chapter tells a story. I'm going to read the first part of the verse, and I want you to read the second part of the verse, which is, His love endures forever. I want you to sing it, uh, say it loud, and you can sing it if you want. Say it loud and clear. Verse number one Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Come on, put some oomph behind it, folks. Who's, who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And brought Israel through the midst of it. His love endures forever. 
but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our lowest state. And freed us from our enemies. He gives us food to he gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Did you hear the story and the theme? He was recounting things that had happened, things that he knew about. And I believe that we could also personalize something like that. And you could say, Lord, I remember when I was down low. Your love endures forever. I remember when you picked me up. Your love endures forever. I remember when I didn't deserve to live. Your love endures forever. I remember when I got saved. Your love endures forever. I remember when you healed that family member. Your love endures forever. I remember, Lord, I know that I am on my way to heaven. Your love endures forever. The enduring love that this speaks about is a, is a love that continues and it lasts forever. I remember some good advice from Brother Marcus Alexander, who was our pastor from nine years, went to be with for nine years, he went to be with the Lord last year. And <coughs> this was back in the days before really people had computers very much in their house and I thank God for computers because it makes research, it makes things Faster, It makes things, I mean, I can find things much quicker. But in the old days, I mean, remember the old days. I'd have like, you know, so many books scattered out everywhere. And Bibles scattered out, pencil and paper. And I would, I would hand write everything. And uh, I didn't have a computer. I just hand wrote everything. And I can type faster than I can write. And I do still handwrite some things. But it's rare for me to handwrite a sermon from beginning to end. I, I, I'll take notes and I'll put a lot of stuff in there. But one of the things Brother Marcus Alexander told me, he said, he said, one of the things that is helpful is if you will get a dictionary. And you will look up words in the dictionary. He's not a Bible dictionary, just a plain old dictionary. And I've done that for years. And uh, words that we know what they mean, we really do. But when you really look into the definition, I think it, it gives a broader depth. And so a, a love that lasts forever. The word forever, I looked this one up, it says, for all time, for always, once and for all, for good, permanently, and forevermore. 
That's how long his love endures. Psalm 103, verse number 10. Psalm 103, 10 through 12 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. His love is a great love, which the word great means large in number or measure. Numerous, remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrated, demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love that demonstrates, demonstrate means it shows clearly or it proves or it makes it clear by reason or evidence. That's what kind of love that Christ has shown and the Heavenly Father has given us. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 39 says, Neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing powerful enough to keep us apart from the love of God. His love is a love that never separates it separates means to set or to keep apart. Revelation 1, verses 4 through 6 says this, I, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Grace and peace to you from him who... Uh, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And I've got this in bold in my notes. To him who loves us and has freed us. Middle of verse 5. From our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. His love is a love that frees from sin. Frees means it delivers. It unshackles. It unties. It releases from captivity, confinement, or slavery. And that's what sin is, is slavery. But his love is a love that frees. The basis of love. Again, basis is the bottom of something considered as its foundation, something on which something else is established. The base, the bedrock, the foundation, the cornerstone. 
want to close with this passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 18 through 22. For through him we both have access to the Father, talking about Jesus, to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This passage was dealing with a division that some had tried to make between the Gentiles and the Jews. But verse 18 tells us that they both, regardless of previous background, have access to the Father by one spirit. We as members of God's household must, as verse 20 tells us, to make sure that our foundation is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What does that mean? It means... It means... The word of God. That's the foundation that they gave us. Which was given to them by the supernatural direction of the Holy Spirit. We must make sure that our lives are built on Jesus Christ. But also on the word of God. Verse 20 goes on to say that Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? I know I've shared this before. But the cornerstone or foundation stone concept was derived from the first stone set in masonry construction in the foundation. And it is the most important stone because once that cornerstone was set into place, every stone was lined up with that cornerstone. That cornerstone became the guide for how the rest of the building would be laid out. And when Jesus Christ, as the scripture says, is our chief cornerstone, when we allow him to be our cornerstone, then every decision that we make, every direction that we go, every pathway that we choose, every action that we take is to be aligned with the chief cornerstone And our spiritual walk, our spiritual house is based upon Jesus Christ. And the foundation of our lives. Many people have had good intentions and started their walk with the Lord and said, I'm going to make Jesus my cornerstone. But at some point... They started building in a way that didn't line up with the cornerstone and started deviating a little bit. And the structure that they ended up with would not support, would not be supported by the chief cornerstone. Because the chief cornerstone brings stability and strength. And to not have an alignment with the chief cornerstone brings destruction and weakness. Ephesians 2.21 says that the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. The basis of love, our Heavenly Father, is our Heavenly Father because He is the foundation. 
He is the bedrock. He always has and he always shall be. He has chosen to be the basis of love through his son Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone upon which we build our lives. Why is that? Because there is no way to God except through Jesus Christ. And when our life is built foundationally upon Jesus Christ, others can see His love and can see our basis of love in our lives so that they can also realize His love and His fullness. See, people are watching us. People are watching you. They're watching me. If they know that we're a Christian, and I don't believe that we should have to advertise it. I think that our actions, our conduct, the choices we make and the lives that we live should be a walking testimony of the goodness of the Lord. Other people should see Jesus Christ. How do they do that when we base our life on the foundation of Jesus Christ? The basis of love. How do you test whether or not you're really 100% built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? If it's a struggle to love the unlovable, those that are mean and spiteful. I can't love them. They don't make it easy to love. Jesus said this. Anyone, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said this. Anyone can love those that love them. Even the world does that. You're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. You're nasty to me, you're vile to me. I'm going to pray. I'm serious. That's the starting point. The flesh man wants to say, well, let me tell you. But when you spend enough time with him and in prayer, and you realize how full, how deep, when you're full of the measure of love that he wants us to be full of, that we read in scripture, then we get to the place where when that happens, the basis of love, Jesus Christ in our lives our first response isn't the natural response. And our second response isn't, I've got to pray before I respond. Then our natural response becomes the supernatural response. And we realize that that filth, that hatred, that animosity, that wickedness, that whatever it is that's coming at us, we have to consider the source. 
because the source isn't that individual that's standing before us. The source is the enemy of our soul that is putting those thoughts and putting those minds. So the next time somebody does something unkind to you, I want you to think for just a moment. There's an eternal soul that's behind that. There's an eternal soul that God loves just as much as he loves us. Anybody can say unkind things back. But when the basis of love is Jesus Christ in our lives, then we're able to show that. It's unnatural. It's supernatural. It's not easy. Pastor, you make it just sound like you're perfect and you do that all the time. No, I, I, I wish I could tell you that that were so. I, I do have a tendency to just kind of not lash out because that's my nature. But, you know, you think about things sometimes after you think about opportunities after you uh, after you've encountered them and you think. You know, I probably could have said something better, but you take those opportunities and you learn from them and you learn to pray and the Lord helps us to be full of that measure of love. That he wants us to be full of. Is this week the world thinks about love. It's a great, great time of year. As we think about that. And it's really nice for me. Because our anniversary is this week. And they start putting the signs up in the store. Like a month beforehand. So I never forget. <laughs> the love of Christ. The basis of love. The foundation of love. Is what we all need a little more of. Father, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you, God, for your love. I thank you for the foundation of love that you have given. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that it is your desire for us to be full of, the, of your measure of grace and love. I thank you, Lord, that you will help us. You will draw us closer to you. I praise you for it, God, because we want others to see your love. Not, it's not enough for us just to realize it, but we want others to see your love as well in action. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.